Welcome to Podcast with Cooper Cherry. We are returning in studio with Mr. Gilbert Rivera. Gilbert, welcome back to the show, bro. Thank you. I appreciate it. Th- third podcast, I believe. I think so. That we've done. So We did Dune. We did Dune. We did some kind of Thanksgiving. I don't even know what we talked about. Maybe a little bit of Baudrillard simulation. I think simulacra. Yeah. yeah. But uh, today we're going to delve into a little bit of politics that have been uh, circling around for the last couple of weeks. Where I'd like to start off with, actually, though, is the, uh, what is it, the Davos World Economic Forum? Is that the proper title or so? Yeah. Um, So, I don't know. I'm sure many people had were aware that Michael Dell, um, so there was a panel, Michael Dell was involved, CEO of Dell Computer, obviously, and um a local hometown hero for us <laughs> right here hometown austin. here in austin um so michael dell was asked a question about aoc's proposed 70 percent marginal tax rate and he's kind of scoffed and he's like oh when is a 70 percent when has that ever worked in history and like some mit history professor piped up and was like well actually uh during the eisenhower administration the marginal tax rate was blah 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 you could hear the pearl clutching just <laughs> immediately in the audience. That guy was not supposed to say that. But which, uh, which, or I don't know, maybe there's an argument that he was. There, you know, this kind of brings my question: is is Michael Dell just a fucking dumbass and doesn't know history? Which you know, I'm maybe fifty percent possibility. Yeah. Or number two is is he just so out of touch, or is he so unafraid of being like? you know, getting a follow-up question because that's sort of, you know what I mean? That's kind of a meme answer like, oh, when has socialism ever worked or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Is this Venezuela? <laughs> yeah, Venezuela. Um, so the question being, yeah, is is he willfully ignorant and just running his mouth or is is he just, is the the climate at Davos such that you can just kind of, you know, throw out a talking point like that and know that you know no no one's going to challenge you on it. Nobody's going to call you out. Right. It's not like the moderator did. Right. I mean, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's um, if it's it's ignorance because what does he have to pay attention to history for? Right. Like he was a scientist who took maybe one ethics course, and <laughs> like there's no like I don't know. We disconnect the humanities and science to this weird degree. Um, that, yeah, I, I believe it's ignorant, but I also think it's, it's political, right? Like he starts by saying that's a no go. Like I would never accept a 70% tax rate. That's what he's saying there. Yeah. And he's saying, um, this version of history that lives in my head, which, you know, in his head, he's a billionaire. Of course, he's one of the smartest people in the rooms. Um, we put these people up on a pedestal, right? So it's part, I think, yeah, dude's an idiot. But also dude saying, I would never accept that and making, you know, the way these people survive, these billionaires survive is by saying, I'll never go there. But sure, you want to you want to do the the two percent increase? Sure, I'll do that. Oh, that's going to hurt. Yeah, right. So Michael Dell did actually invent personal computing. Am I right? And that's why he's that's why he's a billionaire. Yeah. Al Gore (laughs) invented the Internet. He invented um, jacking off at your keyboard. (laughs) What the fuck did Michael Dell like? What do you know? What his real innovation was? Because was yeah. it like a like they? I don't know, I forget. Maybe they didn't sell it retail, and they only sold. 
So it it was, I think, mostly supply chain management. Right. So okay. um, he and I actually just learned this this week um, through a colleague. His whole thing was he made the components for computers and made it so that he was the guy who like had, I guess, the best access to these like cheaper component parts that it drove the cost of like personal computing all the way down because it wasn't a one-stop shop the way apple is where they're supposedly manufacturing everything right and so he just made it super cheap it's not like he there was no innovation there right it was optimization if anything right i mean but you know i you know to be fair that does add some sort of like economic value to a degree but yeah but it's inevitable right like if if something as powerful as the as the computer is invented, then there's going to be a demand for it, and that's right. that's not that's an that's sure a market force, but it's one we should be able to control. Yeah, I mean, my argument for these sorts of people that like him, for example, it's like the market's going to select somebody to fulfill that role, or like if there's an opportunity, the algorithm of capitalism is going to fill that void somehow. Yep. And there's nothing intrinsically special about Michael Dell, really, that is, you know what I mean? Or any of these people like Howard Schultz as well. Like, there's nothing intrinsic about Howard Schultz, you know, outside of being in the context of being in the right place at the right time yeah. that really propelled them to success. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, it's like you're if you're wherever you're situated at in history, you know what I mean? If there's already a Dell computer, then a new Michael Dell isn't, you know, isn't likely to pop up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like he filled a niche and the way that capitalism works and especially in our country, like he exploited the labor of thousands and thousands and thousands of people to get to where he is. But he sees that as as his doing, right? Like he put the He did it together. all by himself. Yeah. Exactly. When in reality, I'm sure he's a brilliant guy, but like, so fucking what, dude? Like, it, so there's a lot of brilliant, a lot of people. <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of brilliant fucking people that don't get an opportunity to uh, to succeed. Exactly, exactly. Because we, or people, are allowed to put such a premium on that, and I don't know. The rewards are so gross that yeah, I get people doing it. Right? It's not right, but I understand. Um, so Michael Dell wasn't the only computer asshole CEO. Um, and I was really disappointed to, that this didn't get a lot more play in the media was, um, and I think I sent this photo of you to you as well. It was Tim Cook having dinner with fucking Jared Bolsonaro, which I'm like, are it's you Satya fucking, Nadell, right? It are was, you was fucking the Microsoft guy there? The micro, uh, I think he was also, they were also at the dinner as well. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, but I didn't recognize him. I I'll immediately check that. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely did have was was there. I'm sure did have dinner with Bolsonaro. I'm not sure if it was the same hmm. dinner necessarily, but I mean, that's fucking weird, right? Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like, so are you kidding me? Like, if I'm if I'm let's say I am Tim Cook, why the fuck would I like from even from a PR standpoint? Why would you be having dinner with a fucking well, fascist that like they so like their whole that. program is to like <laughs> sort of eradicate like they recently like or ousting a you know openly homosexual member of the uh, the parliament or parliament congress or whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever elected Brazil body. actually has yeah. yeah recently that ironically is actually being filled by Grin uh, Glenn Greenwald's husband Jeez. which I'm like how what. <laughs> 
wait, what? But so I mean, bo- what's the difference if this guy like I don't right. understand how they're kicking out this guy or this particular person for being homosexual and then obviously replacing him with someone that is married yeah. to a man? It's yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the story, but I'd like to learn more about it. But I mean, there, there's like to your original point, there's a profound evil in like Tim Cook, who himself is gay, right? Um, who's out? Who is probably you know one of the most powerful openly gay men in the world? And I'll say openly, leave that as like a whisper item. Who don't <laughs> we know about? Um, but here he is. So part of it is. And this, this might, my understanding is that Apple products are super expensive in Brazil. There's a huge tariff on these, on these, what are considered luxury goods, right? Right. And it makes sense. Um, if you can afford an iPhone, you should probably pay the taxes on it. Um, and instead, what you see is Android is huge in Brazil um, and in most of the world, right? Um, it's just more open. The hardware tends to be, we perceive it as a little bit cheaper. It, it's cheaper to make. And um, for a lot of good reasons, it's more popular. That's not great for Apple. Like Brazil is, I mean, it's a faltering economy, but there are dollars Tim Cook could grab there. Um, and it's fucked up. <laughs> it just shows that Tim Cook is, is gay for money more than he is for men. <laughs> and as long as you're gay for money, you're it's cool. Yeah. But yeah, I was just completely shocked that this, I mean, even if you're like, let's say you're, uh, even the right wing didn't pick up on this shit, you know, because if that if they're always that all we always hear about, oh, the tech industry is Silicon Valley. It's so liberal and blah, blah, blah. And yet here we well, go. This destroys that image, right? Like the, they're uh, they need a, a, a boogeyman. Like, yeah, they want tech to to um, to be the evil guy. Like I just saw one of those Turning Point USA idiots or, or one of them post about how um I don't know, all of the left documentaries that are coming out on Netflix and YouTube oh, or whatever. Yes. Um, that was uh, that was good f- good friend of the show, Ben Shapiro. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what is it that he... Or there are two documentaries. I don't know what, it's, yeah. what it is. So he, he was bitching that HBO is doing a documentary, I think, on Beto. Yeah. And Netflix is doing one on maybe Kamala Harris or one of the I think it might or, be or Elizabeth AOC. Warren. Oh yeah, it's it's Warren or AOC. I remember it being yeah. Warren. Yeah, you're probably I think it might have been AOC, but yeah. I think it's always so funny whenever conservatives bitch about this kind of like alleged media bias and it's like this is this is what you want. This is the free market. This yeah. is not like if if the fucking shit didn't sell then People wouldn't, wouldn't watch it, right. you know. Like that's their fucking argument with everything yeah. else. Of like, oh well, I actually. Oh. So two things. Uh, you're a hundred percent right, and you can look at um, the failure of the Obama presidency to not replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <sighs> what idiots! So that they could sell what merchandise and fucking movies about her and her life for the cause or something. Like I understand she's an incredible figure, but there are a lot of incredible judges that we could have gotten there to help shore up um obviously we hope ruth bader ginsburg survives for a long time but we could have had a new judge right and the second is it's it's a willful kind of ignoring of fox news as like a 24 7 propaganda channel for the right it ignores a lot of things there's a roger stone documentary fucking glenn beck exists as a person 
There's oh, a lot they Glenn, ignore, right? I, you know, I, Glenn Beck is like the least fucking galaxy-brained of this new crop of uh, right-wing intellectuals. Right. Like well, Turning Point and fucking Stefan Molyneux. Oh, my God. Yeah. These fucking people are so terrible. They they just make me want to fucking die. It's insane. I can't believe these <laughs> I'm people just like, are oh, God, exist. like, what kind of fucked up life have you had that you have these beliefs? I don't fucking right? get it. No, I agree. <laughs> Do like, not get it. Was there like an atomic wedgie that happened at <laughs> one point that like, you know, killed the part of their brain where like people are supposed to care for each other? And like they, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, fucking standing for capitalism and shit. Um, it's just like capitalism doesn't give a <laughs> fuck about you, right? But what we were on, what we were, we were talking about, something. We got a little sidetracked though. Um, Ooh, shit! Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about okay, so Ben Shapiro and yep. yeah, okay, so we talked about yeah how the they want to bitch about the free market. That's another thing. So I had a an unnamed conservative friend as well that was this was a a few months ago, kind of during the the uh, like the midterm election like lead, sure. lead up right and i think so there was like a public one of the uh public radio stations in houston i believe was running some type of ad for about beto or whatever and like this person that i'm just talking about was like bitching or whatever it was like dude the fucking audience for <laughs> for like npr is you know probably is the like beto o'rourke demographic yeah. like it, this makes sense from this economic free market like thing that you that you want. It's like, yeah, you guys want your fucking cake and to eat it too. Whenever it comes to how things shake out in the marketplace, yeah. I mean, imagine, uh, imagine one of these policy wonks gets it right and like starts advertising like AOC on like talk radio. You know what I mean? Like that's when they're like see the left is encroaching on our market i don't know maybe it's they think that they deserve their own market or there's this weird right-wing economy i don't know i mean the cokes and the mercers are pouring shit tons of money into groups like turning point and then dave rubin as well i don't know if you're familiar with rubin but he's another fucking galaxy brained moron i mean what's the strategy just i mean flood flood the flood the country with noise something's gonna eventually perk some ears and every one you turn is probably worth a thousand dollars it took to like convert them right like what's money to these people they don't care yeah they have all the money in the world what do they care and then tucker carlson too it's such a weird such a weird time like this weird yeah because i was talking to another friend um a few podcasts ago that like tucker carlson was doing like a segment about Amazon and how, and kind of like the same argument about Walmart. It's like they pay their employees so low that the employees wind up having to apply for, you know, snap benefits and shit like that. Yeah. And how we're sort of essentially ended up subsidizing these fucking billion dollar industries. In many ways is what he doesn't understand. Right. And this was on like the fucking Tucker, Tucker Carlson show, which I thought was supremely ironic. It's like, (laughs) dude, you're almost, you're almost fucking there. It's like right there in front of your face. But you like, then you swerve into a fucking, I don't even swerve into the ditch before you like reach the full conclusion of what's going on. You, there's just like, um, something snaps in your brain and you crash your car before you get to the point. It's a weird time. Did you see there was a one of AOC's policy advisors on uh, his show 
uh, I guess this last week. I didn't watch it, but I did see, um, you know, I think I saw it on my Twitter feed. There was mention of it, but I didn't actually watch the video. Can so, you check it out? Yeah, it's good. I mean, whatever. I, I don't, like, I don't care if someone owns Tucker Carlson. That doesn't seem that hard to do, right? Like, the guy was just like, um, yeah, that's that's not a that's not the right document. And Tucker Carlson's like, oh, sorry, I'll look for the right one. I don't know. It's it's dumb. Um, but what I more wanted to talk about is how great this guy looks. So he's like probably like a 70s radical, like exactly who you think of when you think of like uh, a philosopher or like a Norwegian political wonk or something. I don't know. This guy had this incredible look that I was like, that's who we need to send into Fox News all the time. Just the fucking prof- like miserly professor. They're going to underestimate that guy. And boom, he wins every time. Now I'm gonna have to look this dude up because I'm curious. Is he like is he like a Bill Ayers looking dude or what? I don't know. He's like uh like his hair was like standing up. He might have been wearing a sweater vest. He just looked like I don't know, exactly who you'd think of when you think of like the dude in his living room reading Karl Marx. <laughs> I'm looking this dude up. Gotta gotta get a glimpse of him. Oh, okay. Oh, he almost looks like fucking <laughs> He kind of looks like uh, Malcolm Gladwell almost. Oh, I could see ish, that. Ish, yeah, sort of. Maybe that's just a like kind of curly esque hair. Oh yeah, he's got a nice tweed jacket on. See what I'm saying? Like this guy gives them an anger boner just looking at him. <laughs> and God, the look on fucking Tucker's face. He he does that bewildered like dirt face. Yeah. Oh man. But I uh, next I wanted to talk about something that was particularly infuriating to me and i'm sure Please. a lot of people and that is the um the whole howard schultz presidential run scenario yeah it shows that the media has learned nothing since 2016 this guy's already had like hours worth of free advertising on all of the major platforms this is insane like he's he's why because he's a billionaire exactly and the guy doesn't even have a real like, he doesn't have a platform, a real platform. He and he wants to be nicer to people of wealth, <laughs> right? We can't use billionaire anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's uh, damn it? I was gonna say that uh, he, ah, fuck it, I can't remember. But um, I am kind of angry that my I've called him Coffee Hitler. Yeah, and I'm kind of sad that that hasn't taken off it hasn't grown legs i feel like coffee bitch has been coffee bitch is good yeah christmas but i don't know coffee hitler i think just like it's it's a layer it's that hyper hyper it's hyperbolic (laughs) it's you know ultimately pretty much true because like this guy has no constituency he has no platform his platform is like you know uh what is this platform like i don't like what the democrats you know medicare for all and 70% 70% marginal tax rates. It's like he wants to run as a centrist. Center to we, what is we, the thing? Exactly. Like splitting the difference between the centrist Democrats and the fucking. Well, the thing is like Republicans. He's, he's not even like an Obama liberal. Exactly. Yeah. He's like, to the right of Obama. And Obama was pretty part of the and right. And Obama was basically a fucking center right candidate. Exactly. exactly. So it's just like, what? <laughs> Who the fuck would vote for this guy? Exactly. Like, I don't know. No one on the right is going to vote for this guy. No. Like, maybe, like, there'll be, like, three people. It's going to be David Frum. Yeah. Uh, fucking um, Bill, Bill Crystal. Crystal. Yeah. Like, those Dude, are the... I accidentally retweeted him the other day, and I felt <laughs> terrible. I was 
not looking at who was saying what. Those two dipshits are like, that's his constituency is just a handful of never Trumpers, maybe. Right. Who still hate people of color, who still think that we should, you know, be bootlickers. I don't know. Like, I don't know who it catches. And I also, I mean, I I think the rumor is he's got a John McCain's old policy advisor or something. Yeah, Steve Schmidt, I believe. Yeah. And this guy's a genius and just milking (laughs) him for money. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's what I've heard, too, that it's, a you know, there's a advisor that's maybe on a grift. But I mean, either way, this is just fucking. Well, I, I, I think some people are convinced that, like, he and Trump are actually buds. And this is another genius political maneuver on, you know, Trump's side to take votes away from Democrats. Essentially what he does with this marketplace of, of just ideas and news. Right. He floods it so that nothing seems important. Um, so that's, that's like the, um, what I'm sure, um, Ben Shapiro or whatever thinks Trump is doing with Howard Schultz, but really it's just, it's a dude who's greedy for money and doesn't give a fuck about the fate of America. Like that's all it is. These people play games with politics because they don't care. Yeah. It doesn't affect them. Ultimately, let's see, even if they are taxed at 70% marginal tax rates, like there's, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be fine. But, uh, God damn it. It's not even a question. As far as Schultz goes, though, um, damn it. I lost my train of thought, but I had um, a damn good point. You, something about Coffee Hitler. <laughs> uh, damn it. Let me think here. Um, yeah, I don't remember. It'll come to me later. We should write our ideas down. Uh, that helps sometimes, but I like to keep it free-flowing as well. Yeah, that's fair. And freestyle it a little bit. Um, but you know, it's, it's funny too, that also, oh no, Trump actually, that's what it was. It was, so Trump actually came out and said he wants Schultz to run. Of course he does. Of course he does. Why wouldn't he? It doesn't hurt him. He doesn't take away from his base. And I mean, when has an independent party ever helped a Democrat get elected? I mean, you could arguably Perot did. Pro helped get Clinton Clinton elected. Uh, I mean, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Perot in 92 probably had like the highest third party candidacy in terms of vote total since like. Would all of them have voted Bush, even though Bush was kind of disastrous? I, I, I'd need to read more about those. I think uh, there was a, back, a lot of backlash to Bush because he had that f- kind of gaffe about read my lips, no new taxes, and then right. he had to raise taxes. Yeah, that wasn't his fault. But I think even he did the responsible thing, and e- even at that point, I th- I think really in the early fuck him, obviously in the early nineties, I think that's when globalization and global capitalism, neoliberalism were like right as it was on hitting the like hockey stick in terms of its intensity. You know why, right? Howard Schultz. <laughs> he invented Starbucks, I believe, at that time. And look at what happened. He, in, the, he invented coffee drinking. Yeah. And, and brought it to America. He, he uh, more so than what Jewel's doing to teens with nicotine. <laughs> he gave oh, us caffeine, genius. you know? He gave us caffeine. Uh, so I'll, I'll nerd out here and throw out some obscure facts that um, the reason that a coffee came to america and became more popular than tea 
was due to the fucking Stamp Act and shit like that. So some of the taxes that the British had levied huh. back in the day. So then America was like, fuck you. This, we'll oh, drink coffee instead. Right. And also it's cheaper. Yeah. And I'm sure they were able to like, exp- you know, all the fucking Exploit South that. American, yeah. Central American, Caribbean, you know, right. there's a lot of coffee plantations. Right. And shit like that. Closer in, in proximity. And also, again, the new world was built on the slave, on the back of, backs of slaves, right? Like, it's super cheap. We got fucking David from and Bill Crystal. These guys infuriate me to the nth degree because there's like particularly Crystal so so influential in the Iraq war. Right. right. So influential. Um because I'm not mistaken, he was you know, it was like the project for the new American century. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever delved into that whole cabal of, of shitheads and i think from was like a speechwriter. Hmm. well i mean so the thing with like never trumpers is like they they don't actually like really point out what policies they disagree with him on yeah it's just they wish he wasn't so rude about it like that's there are no ideological differences not really like nobody was screaming at um obama or and Bush really for their stances on immigration, like Bush True. got a wall, right? Like it wasn't racist then. Um, I mean, I think it hopefully points to one of the few nice things about the internet and raising some of our awareness and getting us to talk about some of this more. I think ultimately the internet's done more harm than good, but I mean, Al Gore did invent it, and Howard Schultz did help popularize it with Starbucks. So maybe this is all their design anyway. <laughs> you know, actually, something just came to mind since you are from El Paso, dude. What What is your take on all of this border security? And- it's fucking dumb. Um, so I, one of my buddies uh, who very much belongs to um, the 1% or very close to it in New York... Um, love that guy. But the other day he was talking to me about El Paso um, and was just like, what's it like, dude? Like, is it super scary? And El Paso is like the most boring place you could ever grow up in. Like it's it's a unique and beautiful place in a lot of ways. But like growing up there, it was so safe. Like I was bored. Um, and that's like a very nice, convenient thing because it's not a very rich place. Right. Like they're is a lot of struggle, um, but it's it's people trying to get by within the system that doesn't help them more so than it's anything, right? Like, just like the rest of America, crime is done by citizens, not immigrants, um, and El Paso is a largely immigrant community, so I think it's interesting um, that it is so safe given it has so many immigrants, sons of immigrants, daughters of immigrants, etc. of immigrants living within it, right? It's got to be one of, if not the most Mexican city for its size in America than pretty close to it. I mean, and not to mention the fact that across the border, Juarez is like ground zero for fucking cartel violence and fucking insanity. Dude, my mom's from there. Like, I grew up going in there every week. If you want to be like a little bit scared, like take, uh, be a 12-year-old on a Mexican bus and you don't (laughs) know where you're going, especially like in the height of women getting abducted like yeah, randomly like, or there's like 1200 women or something crazy yeah, like dude. that 
like the the maquiladoras, like these women who have no voices, like who like it's so fucked up. But all of that and gut like drug violence, right? And it's not it's not anybody in Juarez using those drugs. I'm sure they do, but like it's drugs coming yeah. their target is America. It's right. not like the market. Exactly. They're um going through those ports of entry. Like it's it's just what's there. So anyway, in a lot of ways, if Juarez is scary, it's only scary because uh, same reason why parts of Venezuela or Colombia or anywhere else might be scary. It's because they're, you know, uh, involved in the U.S. war on drugs and also our con- our need, our addiction for all of these drugs. Yeah, like that tweet that I sent out the other day with it had, I forget who I retweeted, but it was like all these fucking coups that have occurred in Central and South America, just like a 20, <laughs> a list of something like 20 countries. Fucking nuts. What the fuck? I mean, the Monroe Doctrine was just America saying, we think it's our right to interfere with the this side of global politics, and we won't have you guys doing it, right? Like, that's all the Monroe Doctrine was. But yet, we'll go invade in Afghanistan or Iraq, and like... <laughs> You know what I mean? It's so the irony of it is, yeah. Like, could you imagine the the reaction if Russia had or Iran like invaded fucking Cuba or you know what I mean? Like, people people in the U.S. would have flipped the fuck out yeah. if they just like decided, okay, we're gonna fucking uh, you know basically invade did, and right? topple the topple this government yeah. that is on your border. Like, fuck yes, of course that's going mean, to... Russia did do that with Cuba a little bit, right? Like, they co-opted um, kind of their revolution in a lot of ways and tried to, like, feed their economy. It still does feed their economy. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure Cuba still relies on Russia for, like, food and stuff. But... Um, it, well, I the mean, U.S. embargo it, right? is still in place. Yeah, which should not be, like, free those people. They should practice whatever they want. But I mean that's that's a little bit different because Cuba was more of like a client state of the Soviet Union yeah. as opposed to like our just straight up going into Iraq and toppling the the government there. So that's a little that's a little bit different. You know what I mean? Unilaterally, basically us and like yeah, the Brits okay. and sure. I mean, yeah, we. I don't know. It's it's a fucked up situation. That's a va- like that's a vastly different thing than there being like this, you know, U.S. backed or this sort of well what about venezuela right now oh well yeah there's another coup but i i mean i honestly i don't know enough about the venezuelan situation to mm. even really you know until intelligently i mean speak on it yeah i mean at the end of the day like it, they just shouldn't have tied their economy to oil like that's not a smart idea i you know i am super skeptical of any kind of involvement <laughs> you know what i mean with uh with over, you know, getting involved in another country's affairs, yeah, I even agree. regardless of whether Maduro is illegitimate in the first place, I agree. You know, I mean, obviously, that is has it's been a disaster on any time that we do it, and it's so crazy that there's this, you know, even on the like Democrats are all about the coup and shit. Yeah, well, it's weird because um, we show ourselves to be very willing to be involved in uh, international politics, especially to the really um, the determinant of determined 
detriment detriment excuse me um to all of the people that live in those countries yet when they reach out for help when they say my country you know i'm gonna die if i stay here i need to enter the united states <laughs> right. of america yeah, exactly we say no <laughs> that, that's true i didn't even think about that but that's such a fucking good point like what the fuck we Dings. it's having your cake and eating it too or something man oh that's a good point that's so funny huh pretty fucked up it's it might be the most fucked up thing about the whole um the whole refugee crisis like yes it's a fucking shame like everything about it is a shame but it it gets amplified when you realize it doesn't have to be a shame and oh hey it's your fault like literally the country that's causing this humanitarian crisis produced the elements to produce it in the first place right like we this started with us and it's ending with us a thousand percent Exactly. And I, you know, that actually kind of brings up the idea of what I think is this, you know, on this new right, this alt right sort of, or vaguely alt right backlash against what they call what they refer to as globalism. And it brings up an interesting question for me in the sense that a lot of people argue, I think that the American empire, like this military presence is necessary to produce the economic hegemony of the United States and the capitalist order, you know? Yeah. And if you take, so if we demilitarize, if we close these bases, does that, can we still have the economic hegemony? You know what I mean? Are, do, do the, what is the relationship there? Do these things go hand in hand? I think, you know, I think there's, there's probably, um, a, a few economic arguments. Um, I, I think I want to take the, the moral imperative or ethical argument of, um, if it does, you know, I think it's the right thing to do. I think doing this is the right thing to do because I think it produces a challenge. Wait, sorry. Okay. Closing these bases, demilitarizing. Um, I understand like the huge, and I think this is what you're talking about, right? Like the military industrial complex as a very big driving force of the U S economy. Yeah. But it's also, it's also by opening trade and protecting. Yeah. And yeah. just, you know, maintaining like the, the world, the order. force. So like that some refugees or not refugees, but let's like some freedom fighters can't like cut, shut down the Suez canal or, yeah. you know what I mean? Somali pirates, like shit like that. We're world police. Yeah. So it's like the, the military U S military might an extension across the globe is to secure trade routes, to secure different things like that. And then obviously, you know, we're backing fucking dictators and, yeah, but the thing is, we've thought about this question before, right? And the answer is, it, it is wrong. And we've thought about it um, through, say, the creation of, like, the United Nations, which is a, a body that's so ineffectual, right? It doesn't do anything. Anytime we say we want to do something that breaks international law, everyone stands aside and lets us do it because we are, in a lot of ways, the the police force yeah, we're of, the hege- of the UN. Hegemonon. Hegemonon. Hegemon, hegemon, hegemon. Um, it's like a, it's like a really mean Pokemon. Um, Nice. So they get out of the way because we have all the guns, right? So yes, we should demilitarize and we should do the hard work of saying, um, how do we stay at the top of the kind of influence of the world? Not, not through kind of um, guns and power that way, but like through and producing better conditions for all of us to produce better things 
to or not produce better things, but more, I don't know, impactful human things. Like what what is it that gets us to colonize other planets or invent fucking cool shit that makes all of our lives better? It's not what's happening right now, right? Like our imagination's broken. So I think to answer your original question, um, what do I say to detractor or people who say that this will break our economy or whatever? Good, then let it be broken. Let's rebuild it in a way that is better and uh, makes the planet not die. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely want to liberate the global south from our influence, but I'm just saying it's a, I don't know, it's like they miss, on the right, they miscategorize what sustains the so-called greatness of America and it's projecting this military pa- like what is globalism globalism is having 150 military bases in 150 countries it's going to, it's like staging coups in Venezuela and Honduras and like this is you know it's being in Iraq it's it's funneling money to Israel it's right. doing all of this shit Afghanistan that like that is this is your globalism this is global capitalism that you supposedly are standing for and yet like what what is this global it's like it's this dream this trumped up for lack of a better <laughs> word uh boogeyman of glo- like globalism what the fuck is globalism in this context it's everything and like there's a that, right? it's it's like the there's like a it's like a jewish conspiracy to rule the world it's so weird to me yeah it seems odd i don't understand their their obsession with like jews um i just don't get it what i think is funny too is like they hate the right hates the like woody allen american jew yeah but they love the fucking fascist israeli like yeah bb netanyahu or someone like that it's so weird like they israelis are great to them but they fuck like they hate jews it's such a weird it's very odd twisted fucking i don't know there's somebody has to have written about that right like i i hope so because that's an interesting idea I don't know, but that's been my take, like, for the last maybe six months, I started to think, yeah, it's so weird, because, you know, you have all this Soros talk yeah. all the time on the, how he's funding the left, and there's, like, that sort of conspiracy, but they all, like, even the evangelical Christians are always like, oh, we gotta we gotta back Israel, man, or, or God's gonna come back. And I thought they, like, do they want God to come back? Maybe this is all just, like, an apocalypse cult that's doing this. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised having come from that background. My dad is definitely one of those people that's like, oh, you can't, oh, you turn against Israel. Like, that. that's what happened to the Germans. They, they turned against Israel. See what happened to them? It's like, you just can't, it's like, you can't fuck with God or with Israel or God will come, like, fuck you up, which makes no sense. <laughs> so it's like, they're fine with, well, I mean, I, I guess, like, there's this argument that they always make, like, I'm not a racist. I don't mind if black people exist just not around me. Like, I don't care if these others exist. It's, it's. I mean, it's just white nationalism, right? Like, they want to be surrounded by people who look exactly like them. I don't know why. It doesn't make sense to me. Nothing about white nationalism makes sense to me. I know it's not supposed to. For people listening and who can't tell, I'm not white. <laughs> um, but yeah, what uh, another topic I wanted to delve into... So we talked about Schultz a little bit and his non-existent <laughs> yeah. constituency and non-existent ideas and is basically like Republican light. But uh, there was some, I forget what the... Wait, sorry. On on that topic we were just talking about, there's a, there's a good article in New Philosopher 
called Cultural Warfare by Oliver Berkman uh, that talks about like um, our ability to like empathize with people and to you know understand that if you dig deep enough, this is there's something that broke them or something that drove them to the way they are. Therefore, we can, in theory, forgive everybody. But then it examines like the the range of that argument. Like, can you actually forgive people who believe that Jews or people of color shouldn't exist? Like, can you actually rationalize enough to forgive them? It's an interesting question. I don't I don't know that he answers it, um, or that I could. But yeah, I did want to point that out. I read this last night, so it was top of mind. I know what it, what it was. I want to go into was was Amy Klobuchar. Yes. <laughs> And this, so this she came really, to fame during the Kavanaugh hearings, right? I, I don't, I've heard she's been around for a while. She's been around for a little bit. I've de- I definitely heard the name before Kavanaugh. Okay. Um, here and there, but she came to my, er, she came into my radar during Kavanaugh. So she's a Democratic senator and she recently announced, it was like maybe a week ago, that she and Ben Sass were co sponsoring. This bill to offer tax advantage savings accounts so that you could set it like an, I guess, like an FSA style account that you put money towards for, uh, you know, ostensibly things like job training, etc. But I thought this, this also like kind of tied back into really the whole theme, I think, of the, the through line of the whole podcast that we're discussing is like how fucking out of touch. Absolutely these people are with what's going on in the ground in terms of economics because a fucking tax advantage savings account, like, oh, bro, I get it. Um, I have an HSA that like I contribute to or my work contributes to. And the entire time, like, I think I don't fucking go to the doctor. I can't afford it. Like having an HSA and money in it doesn't make it somehow affordable. And also I need to pay like my student debt off. Like, fuck a doctor like um, i need to fix this shit these savings account things they're too complicated to work and they're also a classic example of how liberalism fails they invent all these rules they invent this like fucking complicated schema that nobody can cheer for except for these fascists on the right who are like uh sure that's a losing proposition and i can take advantage of it this is a market based this is market based solutions that work and the problem being like, yeah, the problem isn't that people don't have tax advantage savings accounts. The problem is people don't have any fucking money, Boom. period, to even put like who the fuck has money to put enough in a in a tax advantage savings account for job training for job training. Like, do you have a fucking like how much money? <laughs> yeah, you, I already it have would to work take 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week, like. Where am I going to find that time? Like, and where am I going to find the money to to put? Yeah, it? I mean, on the any kind of on the job training, like learning to code or going to like a coding boot camp, that shit costs like fifteen thousand yep. dollars. Like, who the and fuck? It take, it's three months of income. Like, that's that's the thing for me. It's like whatever. I'll take the fucking loan out, but can I do it without three months of income? Right, and that's what I'm thinking. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah, great. Like, I have access to this super sweet account that's going to save me like fucking 15 percent 
income tax on. Thank you for uh, letting me keep my money so <laughs> I can spend it on your donors. No, but then you can't. No, that's the thing too. It's like with these fucking things. It's like then you, the money's locked in this account. You can only use it for X for and these then reasons. Yeah, yeah, and then if there's an emergency or something like that, then you're shit out of luck. So what? Who right. are these the accounts tax rules for? Are complicated. Like um, with my HSA, I before I even use it, I'm like, fuck. Is this? I have to check if it's an eligible expense. I've got to figure out. You know, if I'm going to owe any money on it, like I've got to think about these things. I think the answer is no. It's obviously pre-tax, but I don't know. It's pretty fucked up. It's too complicated to work. And it's exactly why uh, Obamacare is in the state it's in. Right. They didn't make it simple. The liberals never make their policies simple. Yeah. It's a bunch of hoops to jump through. Yep. But again, like the. The problem is not that people like people don't have the fucking income to even put into this. Like the people that can afford to put money in a fucking tax advantage savings account, like probably don't need job training. You know what I mean? It's like the people that need job training can't afford to fucking say to even put this money. You know what I mean? And then if their kid gets sick or something happens, then they can't even spend that money on something so it's fucking it's locked so dumb them saving up for uh the flat iron school or whatever the fuck coding academy you're gonna go to but this this sort of neoliberal centrist policy type shit just it's it just underscores it's such a microcosm for the situation that we're in like these are the solutions that the you know the democratic party is putting forth like I Come mean, on, let's let's fucking be a little bit more audacious. Let's be better. Than a let's, t- have, let's have imagination. Like, what was Obama's hope or whatever, right? Like, it's just it just sounded nice. Like, it's I don't know. Like, it it seems like they understand that that's like a part of like what people I think like me and you want, right? Is the better tomorrow thing? But just they they just commodified it. They reified it so they could sell it. I forget who it was. Um, there's a quote that's great. It's been repeated you know, at infinitum, but it's something like, um, something like America has a cat has like two capitalist part or America is a one party state. But we are for sure. It's like America is a one party state, but in typical American fashion fashion, they have two (laughs) (laughs) capitalist parties, right? Two choices. And that the same bullshit. And that's pretty much what someone like Amy Klobuchar represents is this <laughs> this is the Democratic Party. These are the radicals. These are like oh the and the right slanders like fucking Nancy Pelosi and J- Chuck Schumer as some type of like threat and they're like Right. They're the same party. Um like Nancy Pelosi, um you just have to do so little to get stand on like with fucking bullshit liberal Twitter. She does the dumb hand clap thing where she looks like a raptor or something. Do you see this yeah, picture? Of, of course her? I saw that. At we can Sydney. actually glad you brought that up. Um, so she does this little thing and her people have to put out like, oh, no, she doesn't uh, to be, you know, to be clear, she supports Trump on these issues. Blah blah blah, And it's just like you are so afraid of like having accidentally like stood up to someone that you have to like your team has to come out and say no actually we're we don't support shit like green new deal or whatever it's like yeah take the moment like ride public wave like it shows that it's more than just power these people want right it's power for a particular purpose well even even worse than that was whenever 
she clapped whenever she clapped whenever Trump was like, America will not be a will will never be a socialist country. What the fuck is a democracy? Like we should be able to vote for this, right? Like it can't just be this fucking fascist saying this. Um, but I, I mean, I thought that was very telling. I also, I don't know if I, you saw this, but even this was super fashy and fucking disturbing to me. Was whenever they started the USA chant. Yeah, I fucking hate that. And fucking even AOC got in on on the USA chant, and that shit's just super fashy. Fucking during the State of the Union address. Yeah, I mean, God, I think they all like, could have done better. Like. Um, Charlie Kirk or one of those fucking idiots, uh, posted a photo of all of the, the democratic women senators in white or whatever. And I think he said, literally said this, uh, or whoever said it, said this, uh, look at all this, not an American pin in sight. <laughs> not, not one flag pin. <laughs> like, not what bro? <laughs> fucking flag pins. Dude. Uh, that's, that's a whole nother topic that just fucking grinds my gear. Yeah, so much. dude, I, I, I'm okay with political pins. I'm just going to say this. Like I've got like a, like a Texas one that has like a weed leaf on it. Like I like that. That's like a, like a legalization pin. I think you can wear your beliefs, but I don't think, again, I think it's fucking embarrassing and telling when you've got such a fascist thing on. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, it's the remember the whole flag pin brouhaha. It was mm-hmm. like that shit was just so dumb and stupid. And seems so trite now. It's like McCarthyism, right? It's it's that's all it is. It's prove that you there's a everyone has to adhere to this level of America. If you don't, then you hate America. It's weird. Yeah, the right totally co-opting patriotism and all that shit even though they're fucking like they don't give a shit they don't give a shit about america they don't give a shit about the truth they don't give a shit about they, americans they give a shit about like this simulated version of america that exists this fucking fable that yeah. they tell themselves and that you know if, to be honest you know the fucking educational system mm-hmm. doesn't teach you any kind of history that right it's totally whitewashed and it's not like our culture it's not uh, nuanced at all it's not I don't, it's not like our culture really does a good job of um really painting nostalgia in a bad light too like we're um like we sell the 80s and the 90s we sell these time periods we sell these like um cultural milieus or whatever for and i don't think we understand that it's super dangerous like selling the idea of the 50s as like this really awesome place or the sixties is this place of like actual racial equality before, um, you know, the marches and civil rights movement. Right. Like that's really dangerous. Like we can't, we can't believe in this fake sense of, um, harmony or something. Like I I don't like it. I don't like it for the eighties. I don't like it for the nineties. I don't like it for, I just don't like nostalgia. It's really dangerous. I think. I forget who it is. There's definitely a thinker that says that nostalgia is kind of like a fundamentally, fascist concept yeah i i think so and like i'm saying this and i think it's like i think it's fine to like the teenage mutant ninja turtles like if if you want to do that it's fine but better shows exist (laughs) like move on dude yeah um i would like a giant flag pin like a giant one that i can hold in my hand like the size of a steering wheel so that I can just like fucking stab one of these idiots in, in the throat with it. Just be like, Ugh. I was going to say, you should just There's get a your, belt buckle. <laughs> There's your flag pin, bro. <laughs> put a pin in it. <laughs> put a pin. Let's put a pin in this motherfucker. <laughs> but yeah, fucking nationalism is the dumbest shit. It's like, Oh, I was, uh, just this country that I happen to be born in. Also, 
coincidentally, greatest country in the world. Boom. Boom. Done. Done. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit. Like, if you've only lived in America, like, and these are the type of people that have only ever lived in America and have, like, never been to another country are, like, the most America, blah, 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 you know. Yeah, dude, I agree. It's, they don't take the time to think that their life could be any better or that it being different could make it any better. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a, there's a path that they all want to get to. They all want to be Howard Schultz, uh, but they understand that instead they're all going to be, and I don't mean to pay disrespect to this character, but Hank Hill. Um, and that's oh. the, I love Hank Hill. Um, I, I such, sorry to switch, but I saw that they were thinking about renewing King of the Hill again which is insane to me. Like I love King of the Hill, but I don't really care what he or Peggy Hill or Bobby Hill or any of them have to think about America today, especially in this context. Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice though, to hear fucking Dale Gribble's conspiracy shit was always like the funniest. Dale was right. Dale was like always the funniest shit. There was one thing he was talking about how like, Oh, this was actually swamp gas that ignited (laughs) in the upper atmosphere, blah, blah, blah from a Soviet sub in the Gulf of Mexico. (laughs) Well researched. It was on the internet. So it had to be true. I mean, who, who is Dale Gribble today? Is he QAnon? Is he, he is definitely, yeah, he's fucking Q dude. He's so hard. He's Q so hard. Like those obviously internet cultures or subcultures, whatever that that's one of the oldest subcultures period. Right. It's, people screaming crazy shit into the void and the internet gave them um, these chat rooms, echo rooms, forums, whatever to, to say this shit. Um, It made the internet's great because it makes people not, not actually, this is from a, from contra points makes people like, you know, this sense of community to people who are, um, who maybe don't have that community locally. So like trans folk getting to get together, but also these QAnon folk, um, they get to spread this crazy shit among each other and it becomes this weird game. And definitely the, the silos of the, of those communities as well. And like reinforcing and this is each one other. Of those communities, right? Like the left is becoming its own kind of like, like, uh, this was in, I forget shit, this interview I read, but this dude made this interesting point. It was one of the Chapo dudes, uh, made this interesting point that it was like, if we don't get offline, if we don't, you know, like QAnon, not QAnon, like go in a fucking Pizzagate conspiracy shooting rampage or anything, but like if we don't get online and like organize and like do something with these ideas, um, with these feelings, with, you know, our abilities, then that's just what we're going to become. We're just going to become another online economy to advertise to. That's all it's going to be. So, I'm glad we're talking. Demographics. Yeah. yeah. A demographic to be exploited. I mean, that kind of goes back too to what I was talking about with the, uh, when kind of ties actually the through line and back to Ben Shapiro bitching about an AOC documentary and uh, a Beto documentary. And as well as the fast this industry, the radio, the radio station as well, like that, like selling to that demographic that de- demographic slice of people with these politics that has become more of, it's become more of an identity. It's become a social phenomenon rather than, um, or like a lifestyle sort of brand type. Well, it, it's capitalism. It's, it's these people betting that we or you know, whether we're going to win or lose this fight again, like versus 
capitalism. Either way, capitalism's got to do its work in the meantime. Like, that's all it is. It's, I don't know. It's incredibly fast, though. Like, um, Beto was a congressman who ran unsuccessfully for a Texas senator, and that now deserves a movie. That's insane. I, and I know they were filming the movie as they were doing the campaign. Like, I, I get it. But even that is a weird concept to me. Yeah, very true. Like, why was it like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem very transparent because if he had won, then what these his buddy filmmakers are now rich guys. I don't know. It's weird to me. <laughs> I tweeted a few weeks ago. I was like, I hope that I die in the revolution before the Trump biopic comes out. <laughs> We're because you know, it, day, you know, <laughs> you know, it's fucking coming, dude. Have you seen Vice? I mean, Dick I haven't Cheney seen has I have, a bio. I haven't now. seen exact. That's probably what was why I even had that image. I was like, oh, you know, you know, this is something that Hollywood is just like licking their fucking fingers. Dude, politics at. is so pornographic in the worst way. People stand these idiots. So I fucking dread that day, but I know that it's coming unless uh, climate change just totally destroys us before that. So fingers crossed. Yeah, seriously. That uh, I'll die in some type of like, uh, you know, I'll be in line for water for like two days and just like have a heart attack or something. Right. Dune's coming. That, that's <laughs> all that's happening. Do not, friends, become <laughs> addicted to water for you will resent its absence. <laughs> oh, man. And to me, that's, I mean, my outlook is super fucking pessimistic that nothing is going to change until climate wreaks havoc on the system as it is and society totally totally collapses and even then what happens does it turn into this neo-feudal world like like a fucking mad max scenario like what what happens at that point but to me that's the that's the only until the material like any kind of top-down change is not is not going to work i mean let's say bernie gets elected that's one fucking man. You think Bernie's going to be able to get any legislation passed? And that is a fundamental misunderstanding. Yeah. On the president the- doesn't hold that much power or shouldn't. I mean, Trump holds an incredible amount of power because, as AOC points out, there are so few laws that apply to him that he can enrich himself at the same time. But yes, you're right. Like, who cares if we're so gerrymandered that, um, that if we still have the filibuster, number one thing we have to get rid of. Um, but yeah, who cares if Bernie is elected if the rest of the government conspires or does its conservative job, its job in conservatism to block anything he wants to do. Like who cares? Like he's one man. I agree. Um, sorry. I kind of got in your, no, I, I think that's fine, dude, because it's really, that's the discussion is you have, I mean, we, there's Republicans control something like two thirds of all governorships state houses, et cetera, like though that's where the fat the fight has to happen because let's say yeah. let's say we, even if Medicare for all gets passed, so even some something that's more um to the left of fucking the Amer- the ACA, right? Yeah. If that happens, what what'll happen is the fucking all right, number one, we've got the Supreme Court to deal with. Mm-hmm. Number two, we've got the states as well, because I don't know if you knew this, but a lot of states like Texas rejected the the money the obamacare money yep which ended up jacking up everyone's premiums so it was a fucking political gambit that they played uh obviously i mean successfully but yeah 
fucking just shows how ruthless these fucks really are. Yeah. So, uh, and that's sorry. the fight. That's the fight. Is like you know yeah. we've got to take back the governorships. We've got to take yeah. back the state ho- state houses. And that is a decade-long project that, you know what I mean, we don't yeah. have that sort of time. So it's interesting, because I think, like, one of the one of the things, that the only thing saving the Affordable Care Act um, in the minds of people is that it, that I think the Democrats um, put, it was it was supposed to be, like, a decades-long project, right? Like, Obama saw Obamacare, the, the theory is, he saw it failing, so he saw the next part being the kind of like Medicare for all this like fucking liberal tendency to go one foot in and then the other foot. And in the meantime, not realize that the water is rising so high that they're going to drown. They put the most powerful piece of the, of the legislation in there too early. I think they should have done it all because their only leverage was um, really like in like in dumb people opinion is um pre-existing conditions the protections there right they gave us rights um by doing that and they didn't go for the whole thing they didn't go for for medicare for all or whatever and what's the what's the point now i mean republicans are obviously trying to do away with those protections um but what we just reuse them to do medicare for all i don't know i don't know what the play is here so to your point earlier about aoc um, we have to dream big. So I agree. It's a decades long project to do this, to get the governorships and all that. But we gotta, we gotta like start by hopefully being really ambitious at the start. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe my point more so is that electoralism is a failed strategy for change, any kind of meaningful change. Not that, I mean, yes, let's work. Obviously we're you know, the idea that, and I see a lot of people on Twitter too that are like <laughs> the radicals and they're saying, you know, oh, don't support electoralism, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, you're fucking, yes, absolutely. You're yeah, right. Fucking duh. Direct action is the way to, direct action gets the goods. Yes. But like, you're stupid if you're not going to, you got to like yeah, fight this two pronged approach. Because if you think you, uh, a couple of ragtag fucking rebels <laughs> are going to take down the a Molotov <laughs> cocktail. And now we all have healthcare. You know, if you think that a couple of ragtag rebels are going to take down the U.S. government and overthrow global capitalism, there's not a fucking vent port on the U.S. Yeah. government that you can bullseye like a womp rat on fucking Tatooine, bro. Right. This shit is like... <laughs> Same thing with global capital, right? Like, like they like, will kill you. Yes. That, they, they will send a drone and blow you like, up. They're already doing this in fucking yeah. Yemen and... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I agree. Blowing like, up these terrorists, like the U.S. government has the means to fucking wipe out any kind of rebellion swiftly, decisively, yes. etc. So, so yes to direct action, but also yes to changing the system. Like, I, I get not thinking that the U.S. government is perfect. It's not. It's fucking really fucked up. But the point is, hopefully, that we can change the system. What people don't understand is politics. Governing is a negotiation, right? Like we all negotiate to do all of these things and hold each other accountable to this measure. I don't know. Like it's just an enshrining of that for me. So I don't know. I don't know. I I get really uncomfortable with violence just in general. I I get that will that it'll be necessary at some point. Like if fascism does come to this country or sorry, it is in this country. It always has been. But if it gets stronger, like I get it. But I also I'm weary. Yeah. I mean, 
like I said, I, I don't have a lot of hope for any kind of revolution unless, like I said, that Mother Nature really is yeah, it's at the vanguard. It's, well, Mer- Mother Nature is going to force change, and that's the only thing that can destroy capitalism is an existential threat like yeah. Because it will make, it's going to... Something you can't control, the weather. Exactly, yeah. It's like... <laughs> the, like Seriously, like climate. Um, and it'll be a fitting end. I suppose so. It's suppose like a so. virus, right? Like it just makes its host, like human civilization is like one, is a host for capitalism, right? Like it exists in our minds. But it's a virus in that it makes us do all this fucking batshit crazy things. Like um, pollute the environment, pollute the only thing that you know, to, to this unsustainable level that we're all just going to die and we won't change it because we're really comfortable. True. There's also though, there's a path, there's a pathology to it as well. It's like the more the system becomes unstable, the more people do are attracted to these right wing sort of demagogues or demagogues in general. Like that's how these people come to rise is like it's instead of coming to this rational realization of oh fuck if we don't band together and create you know do something to take some real action against this threat that we have it's It's monster it's no let's fucking don't i'm gonna the reaction is to double down on whatever because you can't you simply can't cope with the i the the reality of it the reality of your death even would be maybe like at the personal level, that's a, maybe an example. It's like you fucking do all this other shit to, but. Well, that's how Howard Schultz, that's how um, Mitt Romney and Bain Capital, it's how all of these fucking vultures get seen as heroes, right? Because they can do, they can exploit to a level that no one had ever thought or whatever. Like they, they figured out new ways to take capital that existed and exploit it or whatever that existed and exploit it to the, to new unimaginable heights. Like that's what, that's the modern day hero, right? Like that's the capitalist. The financialization shit, especially it's, it's insane. That was like the next like evolution of, of capital. Yeah. Capitalism was financializing everything making everything fake right it's just ones and zeros too like that that's a big part of it too i'm not advocating for the gold standard by the way that's also bullshit money's not real (laughs) money is not real none of it's real right it's all fucking fake we're all just we all decided this (laughs) we all decided this that's all it is but it's like at the same time we do it's like we we produce more than enough food we produce more than enough housing already mm-hmm. under the current system but we can't afford to not it's like yeah if I we agree. can produce if we can produce this amount of housing and food etc then there there's just a matter of finding a different approach to like yes. you know what i mean yes it's a like failure of thing, imagination dude. this I has to be tweaked and not tweaked in the sense of in the context of tweaking capitalism but tweaking society as a whole but how do you change society as a whole from the top down you can't change society from the top down that's why my argument is that this something like climate change is a material 
substance or it's a material change. Like it's going to alter the base of everything. That's the only way you're going to be able to create yeah. change. Because political change, voting, all that shit it doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. Not substantively, because look at all the shit. Like, let's say, look at all the things that did get uh, so welfare. You know, the LBJ with the Great Society, sure. Um, Nixon with the EPA, etc. Like, all of that shit has been rolled back. So eventually, if within capitalism, the capitalist will half step measures anyway, right? True, true, absolutely. Nevertheless, an improvement over what existed yes, before. Very true, very true. But yet capital will simply claw back those gains that that we've made under the bourgeois cap you know the bourgeois democratic system ultimately and i think that was my biggest point i agree it's um i mean we we have to like i don't know I, i i still believe we can do it like i think constitutionalism is just what we're misunderstanding right like we should be amending our fucking core beliefs all the time because we're learning shit all the time. So why not make it a constitutional point to lower our like carbon emissions, right? Like not just put it into law, but make that a core belief of the United States. Like I like I not to sound fucking like I have a boner for the constitution, but like we have tools that have worked in the past. I think we need to at least try it um while we're trying everything else. Like this is a not one idea is going to work. It's going to take uh, the probably cooperation of a lot of ideas for us to not fucking die from climate change. Um, but I think we got to start by making that a point. I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I'm I, I don't think you, I, I don't th- think you give up entirely on electoral politics and just don't. I wouldn't advocate not voting because even in the event that. Like yeah, there materially, ultimately, there's it's a minor matter of degrees in terms of the policies that someone like Amy Klobuchar and and Ben Sass are offering, right? But even at at the margins there, that does have material impact on people's lives. Like there, if there are no subsidies for, I mean, I think we like laugh heating at those oil, things. like shit, stuff like that. Like yeah. there are or people like if they repeal well, the AK, tax. we need a carbon tax immediately. If they were to repeal the ACA, and that would fuck over a lot of people that have pre-existing conditions, right? So, like, voting—this idea that I mean, voting right doesn't mean, answer to that, right? Just wait till they die, <laughs> then they can't vote. I'm just saying that, like, in the sense of voting, like in those contexts, like, yes, voting matters. So you should vote to protect those people that are most. But I think your primary, our primary focus should be on getting in the streets and organizing and fucking like we need a we need general strikes yes that's look at the yellow vests in fucking france they got a bunch of concessions by getting up and fucking doing something yes but americans are so fucking just i agree bro a thousand percent blinded by ideology or just too lazy or they're too too complacent or they have no sense of class solidarity that we're dumb as well like like I think we're not and like dumb. I don't mean like we're not capable. We're not smart. I think we're just comfortable. Um, and it's going to take something like, um, Florida, Florida washing away, like Florida, you know, before Floridians decide that they, that they're no, and we live in Texas, so we don't have an income tax either, but, um, it's going to take that, right? Like it's going to take climate change, absolutely destroying the fundamental building block of their reality, which is the soil, (laughs) which is the land they live on. 
making it unlivable before they, I think, fucking nut up and stop electing whoever the fuck they're electing. Speaking of... Uh, Al Gore gets a statue if that ever happens, <laughs> by the way. Speaking of ecological, let's... Uh, let's maybe let's... Let's go into something a little bit more fun. Sure. Um, I like to have fun. <laughs> so I was thinking about... You mentioned ecological, and I was listening to the the other day, somebody was talking about one of... You know, we're both fans of the Dune series, and with the new film coming out soon and being cast news, I don't know, it's been something that's been on my mind a lot. It's been a lot of news about it. A lot of people... Like, I knew Dune was very popular, but I'm surprised to see just how popular it is. One thing that I hadn't really thought about was sort of the ecological message. I think that maybe, and you having read the books more recently than I could probably point to a little bit more about how there's a, like, there is that element of ecological message. It's a complicated one as you go through the series, but in the first book, it's pretty clear, right? Like, Leet Kynes is, um, is convinced that the, the Fremen deserve more. Um, and more will come from through an ecological transformation of Arrakis or Dune. Um, and that's, and I think that's like lost in a lot of Dune. Like it was originally about an ecological project. Um, like it gets complicated because eventually, even in the first book, um, you come to understand that the only power as a planet this place has is the spice, um, which can only produce, sorry, spoiler alert, in the terrible conditions of the planet. So ecological transformation means literally the destruction of their economy. So it's interesting, right? Because it's it's true for us, even though we're probably moving in the opposite way. We right. have yeah, exactly. a really awesome economy. Or sorry, a really we ecologically a, we're yes. well, but we have more than we're enough destroying to, it. <laughs> exactly. We have more than enough resources for all of us forever, or maybe until the sun dies, if we play our cards right. Um or at least get off this planet before then. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. What do you think about, especially the ideas of, um, what I'm fascinated in this series about is the I, the political idea, like these large-scale political movements and the drawbacks to them. And, I mean, with the rise of Paul Mardib and the, and the, the fucking the Fremen, Fremen Jihad, Jihad. Yeah. and how many millions and millions of people that wound up dying... Yeah, I mean that has a that has a context in this in the sense of like a if there is a revolution, you know what I mean? Yeah, because that was essentially a re- that in many ways a revolution to some degree. Although, yeah, I don't. So I'll be honest, like a lot of Dune gives me pause. Like that gives me pause. Where um, and I mean even the premise, right? There are these very powerful families um, who essentially rule entire planets. It's this really weird space opera yeah, neo neo feudal future yeah that gives me pause right and, and there are other aspects too like um i don't know a lot of dune gives me pause obviously i love it um sorry what was your question again oh i was just talking about how there's like this sort of almost great man of history yeah yeah or like these large-scale political movements and how they play out and the tyranny that can yeah befall that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, it's interesting given that, especially like later on, um, the son Leto, the God Emperor of Dune, 
Um, he, I mean, he's like a f- straight fascist. He's a straight fascist, but he says he's like the benevolent fascist. The benevolent, is- yes. Um, but you learn that his golden path is only achieved by essentially keeping planets away from each other, from keeping Nationalism. technology away <laughs> from people. Yeah. Um, like his golden path is is fucking the simple life. But it's nationalism, dude. It's like it's what yeah. these alt right people want is like. But like, why would you want that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, life is brief. Like, I, I think Leto's um, main flaw or his main conceit, um, and Dune's main flaw or main conceit is that they think that there's a place for humanity in the world and that we should elongate it for as long as possible without realizing that like it's it's the brevity of human life that makes it awesome, right? Like, I'm not saying that we should as a species stop to exist i'm not saying that um what i'm saying is we think we have a right to exist and that's weird yeah okay i see what you're saying that's kind of interesting because uh, the last podcast i did um was sort of a discussion on phenomenology and i was talking to the guest about how you know what is what does the phenomenology look like for someone who is immortal or like this demigod status that can't die right time doesn't time's a weird thing like and um herbert talks a little bit about it through leto's eyes right and yeah because he's sort of that yeah almost divine creature but not like he is mortal but he can exist he exists in a different context well his age like so the the powerful thing about um paul is that he had millennia worth of memories and um, voices and personas we come to learn inside his head, right? He could project into the future, but um, he also had this multitude of voices and experience um, that let him understand everything. Same with the Reverend Mothers, right? So Paul, the God Emperor, is an interesting person because not only is he physically old, 5,000 or whatever years, um, but he's also... Leto, you mean? Leto, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, he's also as old as time, as old as human history. So he's yeah, both things at once. Um, oh, interesting. So it, it's weird, right? Like it gives him, like if anybody, I guess, has the right to be a global dictator, I guess he's as <laughs> close to a god as possible, right? Um, but even then, like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be part, or I wouldn't want to be on its golden path. Like that's that's the ultimate thing, right? Like humanity as a species has a weird right existence thing right like we think we deserve we as a species think we have a right to live as individuals we absolutely do have a right to live um but at at what cost i guess is is the golden path question yeah and i don't know the answer to that but what fascinates me is the kind of perspective of a being like that you know what i mean their their perceptions are totally different than than ours since yeah. you're there, I mean, you watch people live and die and like right. what would happen to you over the course of, millenn- of millennia as like time passes on, you know, what it's, kind of effect does that have on, on a, on a yeah. being, um, on the, a conscious being? The vampire is a really good exploration of that, right? Because they, they're also like very sexual creatures. <laughs> so it, the question is about love and longevity and what happens when you see all your loved ones go away. You just go into the shadows. If you're a vampire. <laughs> so real quick, we'll, we'll finish up here pretty soon, but I did, did want to get your opinion on my the, hot take. I want to get your opinion on the casting of the Denny Villeneuve 
uh, adaptation of Dune that's coming out soon. Who do we, who do we have? Uh, what's Jessica Chastain playing? Is she in it yet? <laughs> She's not in it. Okay. So we have right now um, Timothy Chalamet cast as Paul. That's a good casting. I I do still want to see like Paul even younger than Paul Chalamet. Like, you know what I mean? A little bit. Um, but Spider-Man gives me hope that we can trust young actors to play teenage roles and not hire 30 year olds to be teenagers. Sorry. So uh, good casting. I'm not familiar. What is, what has he been in that I should watch? He was in the one with army hammer. Um, about, I mean, I think it's about kind of like this older man preying on this younger boy, uh, call me by your name. So I haven't seen it either, but I know he, he's got a lot of stands out there. And he's also, I think, a very pretty human. And then we have um, Oscar Isaac cast as Duke Leto, which I think is a pretty solid, pretty solid choice. Well, okay, one question. So in the books, one of the features that um, the Atreides have is a hawkish nose. That Habsburg nose. What is that? I, <laughs> what? I don't I get don't, it. I don't know. I'm guessing maybe it's a reference to the Habsburg nose. Uh, okay. Maybe. So, dude, I fucking hate Frank Herbert and his like. Well, that's like their imagery like, is like the hawk. The hawk is like, isn't that? That's their like the yeah. Atreides eagle, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the eagle. I don't know. I don't. Sorry. That's that's my guess. I don't know. I think Herbert has this weird thing about DNA, like in all of Dune, like Fremen. Yes, culture, but even the blood is is. Maybe, well, yeah. I mean, with the G- Benny Gesserit breeding, yep, yeah. program and shit. Which is basically like what is that? Not, um, not euthanasia. What's the word? But it's yeah, it's yeah, su- it's basically like super selective breeding. Like you're making you're making puppies out of humans. But what the fuck is the word for that? But it did produce Yao Ming. Yao Ming. <laughs> um, and then we have, uh, which I really like. This choice is a uh, Skellen Skarsgård as the Baron. That'll be good. Which I think that guy's. A fucking great i think great he'd, be, he'd be fucking perfect he's that's yeah home run yeah he played cast, loki cast. well like when he in the marvel movies he no that no dude different no, no, guy no. different guy you're oh. thinking of tom fucking this guy's older he was the bad guy in girl with the dragon tattoo and he was the bad guy or an antagonist in the hunt for red october Hmm. Okay, I'll look up a photo. But he I was want... the only Marvel movie he was in. He actually did play the Doctor in the Thor movies, like the physicist. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. He okay. would get so. Oh, sorry, Loki possesses him. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yes, yes. And when he plays like a possessed version of himself. Oh, I see. Very evil. Like, gotcha. Very okay. good. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Yeah, you were throwing me off. There I was like what? My bad. <laughs> um, Zendaya as Chani. Very great. Also reinforces uh, my belief that all Fremen were people of color. <laughs> right. Um, and then they cast Mohim as an actress that I, I, her name escapes me. I'm not familiar with her, but everyone's raving about the casting. I'm not familiar with her either. I'll look it up. I mean, you had a big crush on the original. Yeah. Sean Phillips. Yes. Woo. That grill, that bald head, those those <laughs> temples, man. She had the sexiest temples I've ever seen on a woman. That's a very specific claim. <laughs> I don't know that anyone can. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty hyped. Uh, obviously, I mean, I'll I'll to some degree eat whatever drivel they they produce, <laughs> even if it sucks. They're in my whatever mind. spice, whatever cinnamon spice. Exactly. All right. But yeah, uh, 
I guess I'm ready to wrap up unless you had any final thoughts or maybe something that popped in your head about any of these topics. Just want to say thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure yeah. to yell into a microphone for a second. Yeah, sometimes you got you, man. I, I like to do these rant ep- episodes every now and then just to get out <laughs> yeah, sorry it's not a bad blood. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fine. Sometimes we get a freestyle. So thanks again for joining me. And uh, this is Podcast with Cooper Cherry signing off for the week.